it's such a blessing to be able to kind of convey what my knowledge about being a young person and coming out and like living your true self and being free it is really hard to to sacrifice like I don't know your conventions of what you think you should be or what your parents want you to be or what what life looks like in your mind for yourself to just follow what you love and truly be yourself and truly I don't know it's like I feel so grateful that I've had the people in my life who have been able to instruct me to live honestly and live in passion and, and compassion and follow like my creativity and and you know whether that be my friends or my parents being supportive like it's such I love the idea of being able to be there for those kids Hey guys, I'm Miles. And I'm Ruthie. And welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest, but one of the most important things we can ever do. Yes. Our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world. But sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should hide it. So we would love for you to join us and listen along. And we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken. Make up fake love, make them all laugh Someone, someone, take off your mask It's nice to me Today on the podcast, we welcome Jacob Bixenman. Jacob is a model, photographer, and visual artist who's worked with the likes of Valentino, Dolce & Gabbana, Stella McCartney, Adidas, and is the current face of Top Man. He and his creative work have been featured in publications such as Vogue, V Magazine, ID, and Them. As well, he is a passionate advocate for LGBTQ rights, which is reflected through his work and social platforms. Jacob is beyond special. I got a chance to know him just briefly prior to the interview, but I was blown away. He is such an important voice, I think, especially for this new generation. As a young guy, the knowledge, the depth, and the maturity he has is something that everybody needs to hear, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear what he has to share. Yes, I am so excited. This is one of my just favorite humans on this planet, so I am so excited to get to share a little of this bright, shining star of a human with you guys today. Here we are. Here we are. Hello, hello. I am so excited to introduce you guys to one of my, I know I probably say this too often, but I actually truly, fully, really mean it. Like one of my favorite, like he is just one of the brightest shining stars of a human, Jacob Bixenman. Ruthie! And uh, it's true. I first met Jacob, I don't know, two or three years ago. And Jed had told me about you. Mm -hmm. And First off, you were 20 when I met you. And I was like, dear God, I could have given birth to him. (laughs) Uh, But you, I forgot instantly your age. And I was just, that first day we went and had that picnic. And I was like, we were laughing. The whole time. The whole time. But then I remember having this like incredibly philosophical, like deep conversation with you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, who is this unicorn? <laughs> I am so confused. How are you real? So when we made our first list of like dream guests, you were like oh, on the top, top five. Of it. Yeah. Thank Truly, you guys. I'm so excited I to be here. Just you have only impressed me more and more and more at just who you are as a human. So I am so honored and thrilled to get to share this space with you today. Oh my gosh, and guys. Likewise. I'm really, really excited to be here and deep dive. This just feels like a living room hang with, with yes. you guys, which is fun. Okay, so we talked about this before. Like, there's so many layers to you. And I know, like, well, first off, you have one of the craziest followings I've ever. <laughs> like, you are, like, it's like Beatlemania. <laughs> I, one time, if I will never forget, and I remember texting you the next morning, panic-stricken and sweating, because one night we were all playing games at Jed's house, and I did a story. I didn't even tag anybody. I just did a story and panned our group of friends. And the next morning, I woke up, and that story had been posted about... 
50 times. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. my dear. It's like, did I violate your privacy? Like, I don't even know what the fuck is happening right now. Like, it is the most intensive following. Like, they are... <laughs> They're Something. the best. Yeah, those kids are the best. They're very active. <laughs> they, they're very funny. Very, um, they're very involved. Yeah, very which involved. is like so cool to have a platform to like communicate mm. with all these kids. But yeah, they're 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 never, on it. Because I mean, I don't actually know how they find it, that kind of stuff either. I, if I'm like, I know. Like, my mom says they're better than the FBI. Truly, because like, are. And, we but they're the best. Have <laughs> a lot of friends that you know the world met like yeah. actors and. That doesn't happen with like we all hang out, post yeah. about each other, but yeah, like that, you, <laughs> it's like nothing. How does what does that feel like? Like how does that does that feel violating ever, or does it feel what does that feel like for you? Um, not really. I I understand. First of all, it totally that exists almost exclusively online. Like right. if I'm walking around in my right. life because it's such such a community um on the internet that. I don't know. Like th- that's where most of the people that consume my stuff exist. It's not right. like if I walk around, people are right. whatever. It doesn't feel necessarily like a violation. It is so. Like that'll happen because my boyfriend is a musician right. and has a big following. And when they kind of caught wind, because we were very private, when right. when they caught like wind that I was like in the picture with him, whatever they were really curious and started following me and like tagging me and stuff and asking questions. And that was a real, um, shift in, in my own understanding of like my positioning online. You have to be careful with all these things and, um, be responsible for what you share and what you post and for, you know, just like you have to think about how you conduct yourself online. And I love having a platform where I can impact change and talk about what I think and share stuff with like a young audience and especially like a young um, queer audience yeah. because I think a lot of the kids that follow me, I don't know, I don't want to speak for them, but I think that I in a way can be like just like a cool young queer person that they can yeah. see and um, I love the kids. It is a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're so on it like, on it they are on it and my, my guess is they have a they probably have a perception of who yeah. you are from yeah. afar and uh, you know i would too just from watching you online but i'm just curious the world knows you obviously as a supermodel that's one of the things you do and then as a uh which is so cool by the way uh, <laughs> i don't want to skip over that but also as kind of a cultural influencer one way or the oh, other thanks, you kind of landed in that position but what do we not know what does the world not know about you the world, what does the world not know about me? Um, I am a very community-based person, but I'm also very private and I'm kind of shy and I can be insecure about certain things. And I'm in a really interesting position right now in my life um, where I'm figuring out what I want. And it's easy if you're following someone online and like they have a following and they get likes in their photos whatever to think that they know what they're doing like i am figuring everything out day by day about Mm. what i want and you're 23 years old yeah i was playing with my hair when i was 23 (laughs) (laughs) dear god (laughs) yeah no but yeah just that i i'm piecing my life together every single day every single moment Mm. you know of what i want just figuring it out which it's it's not easy to understand at face value, just in general, online, you know. So the world may think that, like, I'm a model and I got like, it all together. Yeah, but not at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Which I think is the case for Every everyone's body. freaking piecing it out, piecing it like together yes. day by day. And that's that's what I learned. Um, like when I first got on my feet as an adult, moved away from home, like started understanding myself. I'm like, wait, when, when start, was that? By the way, that was I was probably. I mean, pretty quick after high school, I left and moved to L.A. I'm from Orange County, so not super far. But, um, yeah, I was probably like 19. Wow. So I was, yeah, very young, doing my own thing. But a lot of my friends are older than me. And, you know, when I just started understanding more about myself and being an adult, whatever, I realized no one has a clue. 
everyone no is putting it all together day yes. by day. And now I look at my parents in a way um, that I'm older now and an adult and like handling myself that I'm like, you guys, you guys are figuring this out yeah. all the time. Because when time. you're a kid, you look at your parents and you think like, oh my God, they know everything. But right. now I'm like, everyone in every position is like constantly yeah. figuring out their own positioning with themselves and with their work and with, yes. you know what I mean? Their hearts and everything. That's right. So tell me a little bit about growing up. What was your family situation like? My family situation. So my parents were have been divorced for the majority of my life. I think they split when I was probably like six or so. My mom is Cuban American. She was born in Cuba. Um, I lived with her for the most part. My dad remarried. And then um, I would go back and forth between my dad and my mom's house. But we grew up, I grew up in Orange County in Newport Beach, which is like a pretty conservative, like white Orange County (laughs) situation and grew up kind of unbeknownst to me, like this closeted gay kid with a single Latina mom. (laughs) Closeted meaning you hadn't come out yet? No, I wasn't. I don't even think I knew that I was gay necessarily, but just like I felt very... um, I did. I just felt kind of otherized in like a family-oriented conservative situation in Orange County, where I grew up with like a single mom and was kind of an only child because all my siblings were out of the house because they were much older than me. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, I had a pretty nice childhood growing up. Back and forth, it was between my dad's house, my mom's house, with my stepbrothers on my dad's side. What was it like at six? I'm sure. You're kind of online enough at six with the with the split of your parents. Mm. I would imagine that was tough. I think that I was young enough. I don't even really remember what it immediately was like, but I know that by the time that I was maybe nine or ten, it was that was that was normal for me. Like when I think about now um, how I grew up, I don't I didn't feel any resentment towards my parents for splitting or anything like that. Like because sometimes it can be a good thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and my mom and I like. I mean, we really, she is, first of all, my, I mean, I could cry talking about my mom right now. She is my queen. But we grew up, I mean. What's her name? Carrie. Carrie Dad. Tell us about Carrie. She is the queen of everything. She's going to (laughs) cry when I tell her to listen to this too. But so we grew up, like we, she very much raised me. It was like just the two of us in a house. You know what I mean? It was just like me and my single mom growing up. And now, I mean, we are truly best friends. Mm. But she was, um. She's a real, real, real fighter and a real selfless, like, just, I mean, she would do anything Mm. for the people that she loves. Um, So I was really fortunate growing up with her. My dad as well. My dad is amazing. He's so goofy. My stepmom is incredible. So everyone involved in my childhood and everything is, like, as good as it can get. But the, just the logistics of it, I guess, growing up in, in a conservative like family oriented city with like my single mom and splitting my parents were split, whatever it was. I, I felt a little bit otherized yeah. mm. growing up. Say more about that. I've never heard it framed quite that way, but I like that otherized. Yeah. Otherized in the sense that like, so I was a good student. I've always been like a good student. I played sports in high school and stuff. And I think that as any young kid does, I wanted to fit in and like, you know, kind of play the part of the kids on my team and the kids that I was surrounded by at school and whatever else but I always did feel just a little bit different and in the moment embarrassed kind of growing up I was never like a really really feminine kid but I I was like a little bit different and softer and sensitive and creative and didn't have a family with like a gorgeous house I like lived with my single mom we kind of grew up she always like was a total provider, but we did kind of grow up feast or famine, sort of, not mm-hmm. famine, but like just, again, piecing things together day yeah. by day. Like, yeah. How do you feel like that imprint defined or didn't define who you're becoming today? I think it's important because I can relate to it. I think mm-hmm. anybody at that age can relate to it, feeling otherwise. I really love that. Or just mm-hmm. feeling a little different, mm-hmm. and, but everybody longing to fit in because totally. our culture says you're supposed to in order to matter. Mm-hmm. And you said embarrassed. Um, for me, the word would have been shame. I kind of mm-hmm. took a little bit of shame that I really had to shake in my early 20s. 
and you seem, well, actually, I didn't shake it to my early 30s. Mm. And you're, you seem about a decade or two ahead of me <laughs> in your Same. process. I just, yeah. I'm curious about how that message has followed you or not followed you. Yeah. Or, I think that the moment that I was able to kind of be on my own two feet and, well, first of all, I found amazing friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Like my my best friend from high school is still my best friend, Jack. He's like the funniest, greatest guy in the world. And I found people that that got what I was about, you know what I mean? Which was not easy because a lot of people, I don't know, kids are that way. Everyone just wants to kind of like do whatever fits the mold. Um and to fit in, and everyone was so, like, insecure in high school. But I found a couple people that, like, got the art that I was into and the music that I was mm-hmm. into. And we, like, became really good friends and kind of had a little click. And um, that made it easier to not feel like like I was so different or so, you know, whatever. And then the moment that I had the opportunity to kind of get on my feet and, and be an adult, and I moved to L.A., which was so exciting, and um, just kept following what, I loved like artistically and community kind of kind of came from that you know mm-hmm. I met people that were like-minded and I was, I don't know I just realized you don't need to uh whatever you want for yourself there is space for there is mm-hmm. community for mm-hmm. there is it can exist for you you don't need to you know what I mean subscribe to yeah. what you think you do but when you're young it's so easy to just want to you know like yeah. fit in with the crowd and be cool and, right. you know. How old were you when you knew that you were gay? And mm-hmm. how old were you when you came out? So in, in high school, I dated a girl f- almost all of high school, oh. the same girl. Did you know? I don't think I did. And okay. I was j- just having this conversation with my boyfriend, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's not awkward at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, but just, I don't know if I have like a warped sense of memory or like it's suppressed or something. But when I was dating my girlfriend, I never felt like I was concealing something and that it wasn't legitimate and that it was, you know, for anything. I was really there. And then I think after, but the thing is, I think I always knew something was just like a little bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing as when you're a kid and you look at someone, you don't know it's a crush, but you're like, oh, they're so cool. I like want to hang out with that person. Yeah, I'm (laughs) drawn to them. I'm drawn to them. Like, I really like them. Yes. Um, And I think I had that Mm -hmm. for for boys and for guys, but I didn't know, I didn't know that it was anything, you know, like anything involving my sexuality or whatever until we um, eventually towards the end of high school broke up and... I was like, hmm, hang on. Because I had met someone that I, another situation where I was like, I just like this person. Yeah. And this kind of feels right. And he was, this is after my breakup, but he was interested in me and because he was gay. And I was like, hmm, I like this person. And we just started hanging out. Um, And then he ended up actually being my first boyfriend. Was this still in high school? No, this is just after high school. Or this was just actually at the end of high school. Like, so I was just about to graduate. So I started hanging out with someone, seeing someone who ended up being my first boyfriend. And that's how I came out to myself, to my family, everything. I came out through being in a relationship. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. How did your family handle that? Pretty well, pretty well. My mom, she handled it well, first of all. She was, she's always been very supportive and loving. But I think that it kind of was a challenge for her because I remember... When I told her, it was just quiet. And it took a couple weeks to really feel like we had that exact same, like, energy and chemistry and, like, vibrance that we always do in our relationship Mm -hmm. and in the house. I think that that was a challenge for her. And I think that um, that her challenge was a challenge for me, where now, as an adult, I I understand it. I Mm -hmm. understand how parents can be worried and their love can kind of be maybe mismanaged a little bit and confused and um yeah it was tough my dad i mean my dad was like oh are you gay and i was like yeah and he's like cool (laughs) i mean it was so dad is a rock star it was so like he was so whatever Hmm. when i think about this might make me cry oh my god when i think about (laughs) 
the kids that are like looking to you. Yeah. And I think about those boys and those girls mm. who are 12, 13, 14, feeling s- otherized mm. and feeling so alone and that they get to look to you. And here's some of the things that I love so much about you that I think set you apart on such a incredible way. Like being gay is just like a piece of you, but that is also Mm. not just who you are. That is a piece of who you are. But when I think of you, that's not even, I I think you're one of the most wholehearted. You're one of the most loving, kindest. I watch people come up to you and how you interact with every human I've ever seen come up to you. You treat every person the exact same. You give them the exact same energy and tenderness and kindness as you do our group who you are obsessed with and love. Like to me, that is the sign of like one of the most beautiful humans. God, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) But truly I mean that, but for a child, like a kid to be able to look to Mm. you and to see someone that is living an incredible life, a very full, beautiful life. It's really interesting. It's so exciting to be able to um, communicate directly with, Mm. you know, these young people and to, to go back to your question before about, is it ever stressful? Like whatever. Yeah. It's such a blessing to be able mm-hmm. to kind of convey what my knowledge about being a young person and coming out and yeah. like living your true self and being free. It is really hard to yeah. to sacrifice like, I don't know, your conventions of what you think you should be or what your parents want you to be or what, what life looks like in your mind for yourself to just follow what you love and yeah. truly be yourself and truly... I don't know. It's like I feel so grateful that I've had the people in my life who have been able to instruct me to live honestly mm-hmm. and live in passion and, and compassion and follow like my creativity and, and, you know, whether that be my friends or my parents being supportive. Like it's such, mm-hmm. I love the idea of being able to be there for those yes. kids and when I see them in person it like blows my mind yes. they're like the sweetest she best rock stars in the fun. whole world they're seriously the greatest I think it's so important that you can have both. You yeah. mentioned earlier, it's like, I struggle like everybody else and totally. I'm true to myself. Yeah, totally. So many people don't get that opportunity to integrate in that way. One of the things that maybe imprinted you is that you seem like you were well-loved along the way. Definitely. And your mom, the queen of everything. De- it's a great title. <laughs> and then your best friend. Second to Ruthie. Yeah, second to <laughs> The queen of all. Yes. <laughs> queen of everything, queen of all. And uh, I would imagine... You know, with you having a best friend that has stayed with you Mm -hmm. since high school and your mom and dad who both have loved you along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, we do something at the place, at Onside My Place, where we have people identify like who were angels in their lives, Mm -hmm. meaning who was unconditionally in support through all the adversity that they experienced throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. And my guess is with your platform, you're an angel to a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks, Miles. Yeah. And what would be a message that you would have to you know, all the people that don't necessarily mm-hmm. feel that they can be true to themselves and be loved along the way. Mm-hmm. Definitely baby steps. Hang mm-hmm. on to what you love. Hang on to the people around you that love you and support you. And with time, like I, now when I look back at people that I was trying to appease and appeal to in high school and and even in my young like adult life as a creative, whatever else, I'm like, I couldn't care now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I yes. have all the people around me that love me. And I wouldn't have the people around me that love me truly and support me and build me up if I wasn't true to myself. Because right. I wouldn't, That's I wouldn't, right. there would be no communicative, yeah. like, through line for us. Because yeah. I would be living a different life. I wouldn't yeah. be anywhere near where I am now. I wouldn't be anywhere near as happy as I am now. Mm. And that was a challenge. It was. A, it's a challenge to to just go there and follow your heart and follow your passion and all the good things come from it. All the good things come from it. Sometimes you got to like take the plunge and just do what you think, you know, 
Yeah. Isn't it amazing too that when you pump the brakes on the hustle, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, as you said, please everybody. Totally. And you become true to who you are. It's the law of attraction kicks in and your community just comes. Exactly. That's right. No, exactly. And that's, again, I would not be, I mean, I can't even imagine if I wasn't true to myself, I would be living a different life. I would have different friends. I'd have, you know, it's like. Well, and also, I mean, this is like when people ask me about how do you get friends like that? I don't understand. Like, how did you find these kind of friends? And I always say, and this is like mirroring like what I see in you, like you get good friends when you are a good friend. hundred And you, the universe is so beautiful in that way when you love people really well and yeah. you live out of abundance and not scarcity. Like it just, they we find each other and you love people so well. You love your community oh, so you, well. You. And so of course you're going to find humans and the ones that don't aren't our people and we just moonwalk on they out of there. You're not my human, you know, but no, like yeah, that's, absolutely. It, that's why you've been able to create and to cultivate just it's such a tight knit, beautiful community. It's because you're doing that. I do believe in that. You give what you get. Yeah. And I like what you said about scarcity versus yes. abundance, living in abundance, sharing yes. what you yes. have within you rather than seeking and yes. yearning for, yes. for something. The more that you communicate what you love the more you are honest to yourself and share that with the world the more that the world will see that and bring you the people that you need in your life anyways i think one of the things you touched on miles that i think is somebody said this um i was speaking at a conference this past weekend and somebody said you know we can always tell when someone walks in the room we're Mm -hmm. like they were loved (laughs) totally and like if someone walks in and just knows who they're like able to like lavish other people with love or you know just be comfortable not that everyone doesn't have insecurities Mm. she's like we'll look at them like she's loved she's loved (laughs) and what i would say to that for the people that don't feel that that right now Mm. it doesn't mean it can't happen and it doesn't mean that it's not true yeah because they were saying at first their argument was like either you're loved or you're not like people and i'm like no No everyone's loved you just might not know it yet yeah so and important. You, it's so important it's so important to know that something above us that's bigger than us mm-hmm. loves us all so fully just the way we are mm-hmm. i like i mean y'all hear me say this. i'm always like god jesus santa universe dumbledore i don't care <laughs> i think we can do that because you're exactly right i have walked with and you have too because how beautifully you tell your story and I'm sure you as well walked with hundreds of people that didn't get that, yeah. that uh, are kind of lost, lonely, and struggling Absolutely, right now yeah. because of adverse experiences in their childhood. And one yeah. of my favorite quotes is that it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh, oh I love that. We can't re- necessarily rewrite what happened to you, but we get to support your narrative going forward mm. by mirroring and modeling healthy community. Absolutely. Mm. And healthy community... Um, you know, if I'm somebody who is encouraged and inspired by you online, Ruthie and Jacob, by you online. Thanks, Miles. That's really sweet. No, yeah, I believe that too. You gave a message, uh, which I think is really important to people who may not, who may feel a little lost and struggling right now. What about a message to the queen of everything? My mom. You got a little tender when you introduced totally. this to her. Oh my God. I'm telling you, she's the best. What would you, um, what would, so something you'd like her to really know my dear sweet precious amazing mom i love you so much first of all my mom and i have a very honest relationship so we talk about stuff all the time and i feel like we're very good about reaffirming each other but just i would tell my mom that her selflessness changed my life Mm. changed how i view my duty in a relationship with someone that i love And that my mom is an extremely hard worker, um, sometimes to her own detriment. She works really, really, really hard. And life is not always very, very easy for her, you know. Um, I would just tell her, remind her that her model of grace is one that I have rarely seen in other people Mm. her model of humility and humor and compassion Mm. shaped how i seek people and how i seek to be for people so the people that Mm. i have found in my life i feel a piece of 
her in them. Mm-hmm. I feel her, her, I mean, she is just the warmest. <laughs> oh my God, I love my mom. She is the warmest, <laughs> most perfect angel in uh, the world. Oh, um, no, but truly, like, too. oh I no, I would not love her. <laughs> Have you met my mom recently? Not yet, but I can't wait. Um, no, so I would just say, and that her her model of just perfection, just kindness and compassion and humor and selflessness, it it changed how I how I want the relationships in my life to be. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the power of like an incredible role model yes. is that I know what I want to be for people and I know what I deserve seek from back. people, yes. what I deserve to get back, the yes. love that yeah. I deserve, which right. I mean, she loves so wholeheartedly. So I don't I know if I'll that. come back. Anyway. Well, I feel like I get to have glimpses of who this incredible human is because you can't be you. Mm. <laughs> Without having come from someone who <laughs> is exceptional. Yeah, she's great. You know, and I want to, um, speaking of like family things, mm-hmm. like there was a moment in January where I got a text from you one day mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the airport and it was a little different than how you usually text me. Mm-hmm. And you're like, can you talk? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I was like 36 hours in trying to get the frick out of Iowa. Yeah. It was snowstorm after snowstorm. And um, I think I FaceTimed you. Mm-hmm. Do you mind telling us no, what not happened? No, <sighs> So in January, like I had said before, my dad remarried to my wonderful, beautiful, amazing stepmother, Cindy, who had two sons. Um, and one of my stepbrothers, who was probably my, my closest sibling, mm-hmm. because we grew up in the house together where all of my my other siblings are much older than me. They're in their thirties. Um, and my stepbrother Taylor was like three or four years older than me. Um, but anyway, that call in January had been about him passing away, which had happened a few days prior because of health complications from a surgery. Um, and he was very sick and you were the first person that I told, I go, Oh my God, I need something right now. I need someone that just will just listen. And yeah, I called you about that. That was a really, really crazy time. I just remember like, A, I was so <laughs> obviously heartbroken for you, but also I was so honored yeah. that you would let me share that space with you. And Thanks. I just remember like us just sitting in the airport yeah. crying yeah. and just, I mean, such a loss. Yeah. Like that's such a massive, yeah, he's so young. Yeah. And will you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. I'd love to. So my, my stepbrother Taylor, again, probably like my, one of my closest, I have a lot of siblings, by the way. I have two sisters and a brother and two stepbrothers, um, including Taylor. But Taylor was the funniest, sweetest, mm-hmm. just like brightest soul that, showed me so much about like all of my taste in my young young like in my teens all of my music and movies and everything it was all through Taylor like he was such a cool um older brother in the way of guiding my my taste which like now I am so grateful for but yeah he was just my beautiful amazing funny artistic uh humorous brother who's an amazing musician um he struggled with addiction problems while i was a teen um and throughout you know the rest of his his life until the last few years he was he had gotten sober and was doing really well but he had some health complications with his heart and did you see as a child he does yeah yeah little silas i'm actually seeing him today Oh. Yes. What would you want Silas to know about his daddy? Um, just how how beautifully I can't even explain how perfect Taylor was. He was the most sensitive, caring, mm-hmm. um, truly, truly loving person, and he didn't. There was no sort of, I don't know how to explain. His love was, 
he didn't seek anything through his love. He just loved mm-hmm. to love. And he shared so wholeheartedly and like truly held my hand. I was such a like, like doofy little kid. And he did not need to take the time to show me Elliot Smith when I was like 12 years old. I mean, like, let's talk about it. Like he showed me all this cool music that I like was mm-hmm. so formulative to me. But if I could tell Silas anything about Tay, it would just be um, A, how... I mean, I cannot explain the ways that he loved that baby. He is the best dad ever. Um, And just, he was just perfect. He was so creative and so beautiful. And he was such an amazing, you know, brother, son, husband, father. Like, he was so funny, but not in a way that was like, you kind of had to work for it. The, Those are the he, best. Oh my god, it's Those so fulfilling. Best. It's so fulfilling when yes. someone makes you work for it, but oh, like not in a cold way. No, but, but, but when you get it, you're like, <clears throat> I'm so special. <laughs> I know. No, he was my idol. Like oh, Taylor was my idol. He was like oh. he was a king. He showed me like yeah. just everything that I mm. I loved and everything that honestly, the things that he showed me through art and whatever else, they carried me through mm. my high school years into my adult life, understanding that I love music and photography and all these things like I don't know I don't know what my life would even look like without you know his teaching me that I was a creative person he taught me that I had that in me wow do you know what I mean he taught me that I need music and that I need and and I'm not a musician obviously but like that I need art yes he he you know he held my hand and brought me along because he was an amazing musician and obsessed with music and he just like really took me with him mm. in a way that I think now is really so foundational to me. Yeah. And I don't think I've, I don't think he knew that, you know, I don't think he knew like, like actually how, yeah, just impactful he was to me. Cause we were two brothers. We were goofy. Like, you know, I wouldn't have, I would be embarrassed to be like, I love you so much. Like we were just best friends. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think he knew how much of a of a a, a tutor and an instructor and mm. how much guidance he gave me. Mm. I don't think he ever knew that. Yeah. I think he knows now. I think yeah. so too. And I'm so I'm so 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 happy that I have little little Silas, which is awesome because it's yes. just like I have an actual and he looks just like my brother, which is like <laughs> so weird. He looks that's, just like him. That's really powerful. Yeah. You know, one yeah. thing I've thought about, like. I remember reading Glennon Melton talks about it in her book and she struggled with addiction for years and is a recovering, recovered, recovering alcoholic. And she talks about that. So often addicts Mm. are the most in touch and feel things the deepest. And, and oftentimes the world wants to, because it feels, it feels so big that they don't know what to do with it. And Mm -hmm. so, and the world tries to cover it up and push it away. Mm -hmm. And so they try to medicate it because it's, they feel so So deeply and they, he loved you so deep and the Mm -hmm. love that he had to offer was so deep that it also was so painful, Totally, you know? And so it makes so much sense that oftentimes the, the bleeding hearts, the most Mm -hmm. sensitive, tender, empathetic, kindest, genuine humans struggle with addiction. Yeah. Yeah. It makes so much sense to me. It makes absolute sense to me now. Because it's so much. Mm -hmm. He, yeah, he really, 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 really just felt like he was so... He was an extremely like sensitive, emotional, um, sweet boy who I learned, you know, had a lot of things to work through and he really dove into addiction when he was like probably in his early twenties, maybe let's see how old, I don't know. Yeah. When, when we were growing up, he really had some serious addiction problems. Um, and I wish that I had, uh, sort of the emotional intelligence and just general intelligence to communicate that about him to him, mm. you know, because I was a kid. So I, he was my older brother. It was like, yeah. It doesn't surprise me. Well, one, I think I said I, earlier, I think he hears you now, but yeah. I do believe it's, it's never too late to say what you need to say to people Absolutely. going back current day or going forward. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for your loss. I feel honored by your loss. Yeah just in the way that I hear you speak about him. Yeah. Um, and maybe timing was right for you to say what you needed to say now. 
Mm-hmm. It was so beautifully said. Yeah, thanks, Miles. That's rough. I've never really, I've never <laughs> thought about it. You know, loss is so interesting. And Ruthie, you and I have, have talked about this because you were really, really the first person I went to and you were really there for me and were so, I mean, so caring and so just helpful in understanding, like, what do I do yeah. now? Like, loss is so interesting because it's like, and especially a pre a premature loss, it's like the rug is absolutely pulled from under your feet, and every day is different. Where I I will learn more about my my loss and my grief. Like one day will be completely different from the next. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. one day you're like, okay, I, I'm I'm okay, and then you think about one thing in the in the wrong way, hmm. and you kind of get triggered and are like, whoa, and just going over what you've you know, your, your grief kind of, um, and it's interesting. I, I haven't thought about these things necessarily, you know, like what I wish I could have said to Taylor. And I feel at a very good place with, you know, how things were, we had a very beautiful relationship and think, you know, I feel good about how things ended with him, whatever. But, um, but it's interesting, like even now that was in January, right. And the first day, that I got the, I think I hardly cried. I went to see my stepmom and my dad and um, it was, I mean, the energy was like obviously horrible mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in the house. Yeah. Um, my stepmom was just, just wrecked. Herself. Yeah. But that day, I don't even think that I really cried. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked. Yeah. And through your guidance, I've learned, I learned that that's okay every day is completely different every day is is like its own journey mm-hmm. and even now you know a, a, a time will come where i'll listen to a song in in a weird way and just like mm. think of taylor or yeah. think of you know yeah anyway i yeah. think it not it's not in any way that's an important yeah because I, mean, I think grief is so misunderstood yeah and everybody's experience lost in their own way sometimes tragically in your case with yeah. your, with taylor yeah but it's not an event. It's not a linear process where you start here and finish here. And there's no, there's no formula. Mm. It's a process. And it, you know, I just, we just worked with 52 bereaved parents that had all lost kids a mm. couple weeks ago. And I was sharing this with Ruthie and Soph yesterday. And it was just beautiful and heartbreaking. But to see people who were a year in and 10 years in and their processes, they had permission finally to mirror their processes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to be anywhere. I can feel this as deeply today as I did the day they closed the casket, and that is okay. Yes. Yeah, And I think exactly. people need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think our culture historically with pastors and counselors alike have said you just need to move on and get over it. And I would say Such that's bullshit. bullshit. No, yeah, people, what a disservice to the human spirit. Yeah. But even even beyond, even beyond um, grief or the feelings of loss, like just emotionally in general, anything you feel is okay just feel it live it live it out like i wouldn't be the same if i wasn't able to just be wrecked for that first week and like i think that's lesson on um just like emotional maturity really is to be able to be vulnerable and you know feel what you feel wholeheartedly and allow yourself to be just wrecked and miserable or or insecure or anxious and that you know and I would piggyback that with saying, and then talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's so, the hard part. That's the part. Especially for men in for our culture. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's why we named this podcast Unspoken. Because right. so often we feel those things and we want to push them down because it yeah. doesn't feel good. Or yeah. we think like we have to have a front for other people. And there's so much freedom that comes when I'm like, I am barely surviving right now. Mm. I am if I'm not right this moment, but I'm just, if I can, when I can go to my friends and be like, I have literally not left my bed in mm. 36 hours and I've eaten two dozen donuts because I'm super <laughs> sad <laughs> and I have chocolate crumbs all over my bed and I am not okay. Whereas before I would have hidden that. Yeah. And I would have kept that in secret because I feel like I need to seem like I have everything yet. Like it's bullshit. Like, such BS. There's freedom in saying, I am struggling. I feel, I feel, you know, lost. I don't know how to do this. How am I going to like get out of bed today? Totally. You know? And the second I say it and talk about it with my friends and like, 
I'm like, I'm going to come stay with you. Mm. I can't stay in this bed. I'm going to come stay at your house. So totally. I make myself. And like, that is that I feel better. Absolutely. And the thing is like, obviously being vulnerable with your emotions in that way and being, it makes you feel immature kind of to be like, if you're sulking or if you're sad or if whatever, but it is the mature thing to yes. do to be able to allow it's a strong yourself. Thing to do. It's a Absolutely. Strong thing. It's a strong thing to do to yes. be weak. In yes. Essence. yes. It's, it takes strength yes. to be vulnerable yes. and that's the real way to heal that's i've right. learned you mm-hmm. know what i mean like and again to Truth. bring it just back to taylor like i needed those those couple days where i was just a disaster mm-hmm. you know and then you get it out and then every now and then you feel it again and you know yeah you just gotta roll with it yeah. and that's kind of what i was saying before in general about like like insecurity and whatnot it's like you just have to you just have to roll with it and feel what you feel and be true to yourself. Yeah. And embrace just it. Just embrace yeah. it. Yeah, not resist it. Not and resist one, it. one of the yeah. things that often comes up a lot in during loss for people is mm. these bigger questions with spirituality and with mm. faith. And I'm just curious, what kind of dialogue do you have spiritually? Or I don't know. I was just having this question with my boyfriend as well because I'm not religious necessarily taylor towards the end of his life was religious and um very involved and i don't know like the funny thing about my spirituality is that i (laughs) i just don't know i just know what's in front of me i'm a very like and i'm touching ruthie's hand right now i'm (laughs) like this like this is my spirituality do you know what i mean this what we're doing right now in this room is my spirituality that is my this like communion is like i don't know i didn't seek religion necessarily after after taylor passed i didn't i was definitely questioning a lot of things but um but yeah i don't know i'm on i'm on an interesting like spiritual journey yeah at the moment every day i always say i'm like i feel very good Mm. saying i don't know i don't know and i feel very I like living in gray because I feel before, like in my past life, (laughs) I would have said this is the way it is. And I was very and I had a lot of pride about it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the way it should be for everyone. And I don't I mean, I've asked people's forgiveness for being so dogmatic about Mm -hmm. certain things and, talk, you know, because I just like I don't that doesn't ring true for me anymore. And I don't have any problem with other people if that's how you live your truth totally. i don't care what anyone mm, else thinks totally. or believes i have no judgment for that i just for me and myself i feel so good with the unknown yeah i'm uh well it's interesting i was i was going to say i'm a believer but what does that mean you know it, mm-hmm. in, uh, not in terms of fully the christian speak way of believer but i do love the teachings of jesus but I have more questions than answers yeah. and I'm okay with that. And I love the fact that I think God is not some out there that we aspire Mm -hmm. to in the afterlife. It's in here and I'm pointing to my heart right now. And and I think God, in my version of God, he lives in the hearts of the people in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I want to live out loud and look and see God and Jesus in the eyes of the people that I love, Mm -hmm. not some, not a, a set of rules that I'm supposed to follow. Brings me back to what I was saying in the beginning, like, I felt like I stepped into maturity when I realized I don't know anything yes. and I'm constantly like yes. in this gray. That is maturity. That I'm like, wait, <laughs> because, yes. because when yes. I, you know, when I'm like 12 years old and I'm looking at a, so I'm 23 right now, when, when I'm 12 years old, if I was looking at a 23 year old, I'd be like, that's an adult. You know what I mean? That person like, you better have a they 401k. Old. Like, <laughs> but now like I'm 20 and then I have like 40, I'm 23 and I have like 40 year old friends. So I'm like, we are all in the same, like we're Seriously. all figuring it out day by day. You yeah. know what I mean? My dad is, today's actually my dad's birthday. I think he's turning 63, I think. think? <laughs> Sorry, dad. Um, but him, I look at my dad. It, I mean, he is figuring himself out yes. every single day. Yes. yes. Every single day. It's That's okay right. to not and be repositioning okay. yes. what you want yes. from your life and what you yeah. want from the world and and learning along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have your heart in the right place, you will figure yourself out. Yeah, and that's, that's right. Spiritually, it's the same thing. It's yes. like yep. if if your heart just sounds so corny to say, follow your heart, but like just really do what feels good. Like that's do right. what, and with religion, like just apply what, what works for you and what speaks mm-hmm. to you, you know, and 
there's a lot of, again, just so it doesn't need to be so regimented, like you can pick and choose what, what you love and what you don't. Just take what feels good and apply what feels good and apply your love and apply your... That's right. You know, knowledge. To... That's my kind of church. Yeah. It's where you can show up church. and be a hot mess. Totally. And it's the only subscription is love and grace. Exactly. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Cover it in love and grace. Yeah. I like to think of it as, does it bring me towards the light? Mm. And I, I literally think, I'm like, does this decision make me feel like I'm going towards the light? Mm-hmm. Does this person make me feel like I'm in light? Like, mm-hmm. cause there are people that you're around and you're like, this feels dark yeah. or this, it's not sitting well. Like, and going back kind of what we were all saying, it's all kind of just saying the same thing. Yeah. Just a different, different channel. Yeah. But it's like, does it feel, does it look, feel like I'm going towards the sun? Does mm-hmm. it feel like I'm going towards love? Does mm-hmm. it feel like, you know, is that what's coming back towards me? And, and that's how I make every decision. Mm-hmm. Like some of them aren't even logical, but mm-hmm. I'm like. This feels like it's towards the <laughs> feels light. right. Yeah, no, living know? for your soul rather yes. than ego or for, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Chasing, yeah. So when we were in New York, you had just come to see us at Jed and I at Urban Cowboy, and you had mm. been on the, um, I guess, subway, and mm. you're like, I had the sweetest thing that just happened, mm. and you were, like, retelling it, and you got emotional yeah. retelling it. Yeah. No, I just saw, like... Um, community happening in real life in, like, mm. a small environment. So I was on the subway... <laughs> in new york i was in new york for work and there was a transgender girl sitting in the subway and another amazing queer little baby kid (laughs) on the subway as well and you know when you're sitting in this big busy crowded subway train full of people commuting to and from work whatever the one kid just said to the other girl i really like your shoes or like I really like your jacket or something it was just like it was just a sweet sort of um I'm here with you Mm. in the moment because because this girl was on the bus by her or on the train by herself um just kind of amongst the world and I just saw just saw a sweet little I'm there for you I'm here for you I like you know I like your shoes it wasn't anything serious it was just like um they felt seen you saw them see someone I saw them see someone and see each other where like yeah it's interesting being like a queer person in in public and i can only imagine what it's like being transgender Mm -hmm. you know in in public it's i'm sure very scary at times um but yeah saying something like you could describe it and explain it better than i would but like one of the big thing is like passing Mm -hmm. and and it was like you watch this child affirm that woman, that lady, mm-hmm. as like, you're beautiful and you're, mm-hmm. you know, I don't yeah. know. It's just, you were like emotional talking about because you yeah. just saw this moment and it was such a simple moment, but it was profound. Totally. That's actually what this podcast is all about or the yeah. why we came together. Yeah. It's that there are people who've been marginalized um, mm. and are vulnerable because they're trying to live their truth mm. um, should know that they are not alone. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not easy always to live your truth and to really, you know, which is like what we've talked about this whole episode, but it, it's not always easy, but it's the only, like if I, I'm looking at my own life, it was the only option for me to follow my truth and Mm -hmm. be true to myself and follow my heart and follow what I liked. You know what I mean? Like I, it's the only option you have to, you have to do that. If you want to live a life that fulfills you and a life that if you seek genuine happiness, true happiness, you need to, you need to, Yeah. you know. That's right. And speaking of true happiness, I'm holding one of the cutest things I've ever seen. I want to give it to you here. Ruth, can you pass <laughs> it over? Let's see what that is. <laughs> Tell us what this is. <laughs> Tell us what you're Okay, hold- this, I'm holding a picture of myself, probably like five years old. <laughs> With a soccer, I have an interesting story about me playing soccer also. So with a soccer ball under my arm and a, like my huge goofy child head (laughs) 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 and my AYSO jersey, which was pretty fly guys. Look at that one. Um, Yeah. No. So I played soccer for a bit. My dad was the coach. We actually were just talking about this. My dad was the coach of my soccer team and, um, (laughs) 
he was he was just telling me the story the other day about there was like one game where he was coaching us and the game was about to start and he's looking around. He goes, Where where's Jacob? <laughs> yeah, where's Jacob? And uh, scanning, 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 Stop. scanning. He's monkey bars. Stop. I'm just by yourself. Which I mean, that's when my dad knew I had to be creative because I'm like on the monkey bars during my soccer game, which like he was the coach. He of. was the he was the head coach. You're like, wait, perfect. wait, where's Jacob? You are <laughs> perfect. Like, on the swing. Oh my so, god! You know that's what I'm talking about. Follow, follow your truth. If Live I, you tr- guys, if I tried to be a soccer player. Where the hell would I be now? <laughs> Probably not sitting here in this amazing conversation with Ruthie, my dear friend. And my... <laughs> so, You're perfect. Anyway, uh, this so, is a funny pick. Well, so it. so, what's a message that you would have mm. that you'd like for him to hear now? Mm-hmm. Um, man, I would say to my young self, you are going to go through mm. a serious journey to getting to where you will be when you're 23 years old, where I am now. Mm. Um, I would mirror the things that we've said in this podcast, and I would also say, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm. Everything is going to come at you, and like everything works. It all works out. Mm. Like everything, It's hard to have vision of what something will teach you in the moment Mm. but the things that i learned when you know i was this age in this picture i'm like six the stuff that i learned as a child like you don't know how things impact you in the moment and how things shape you and i you know having to go through some really hard stuff to get to where i am now i wouldn't be who i am now if i didn't have to go through the hard things so it's just have the long-term have the long term in mind and I know that that's really challenging when you're young and um, in a tough spot but just you, just I would also tell myself I stressed so much when I was like a young adult or like an older teen like 16 to I mean 23 no like 20 I was so stressed yeah. and like trying to figure it all out because I mm. you know with my sexuality and with my um like art, I just like was so confused. And now I wish that I could go back and just be like, it's okay. Just, just do it. Just like Mm. go, don't think so much, Mm. just act and learn and continue and, and build on the things that you know, you know, you don't, nothing has to be perfect and no stressful situation is the end of the world. Just Mm. like pick up, feel what you feel, look at your emotions objectively, understand what you're feeling think about it learn from it and the rest is easy <laughs> I, just, I just got chills for two reasons Muy importante. one because i think i just had this vision you're going to be an incredible dad oh thanks i hope so guys and, and two i just thought about little silas yeah and how important it's going to be for his uncle to share what you just shared yeah Sweet little side. I can't wait, guys. I'm gonna go rush to see him after this. <laughs> you are amazing, my friend. This is so awesome. You guys are my heroes. You're seriously. I will not do what I did at the beginning, but I love you so much, and you are you a so treasure. What you a are gem. a freaking treasure. You guys are. I Thank love you. you. Thank Thanks you. so much Yay. for having me, you guys. That was amazing. <laughs> you dream. <laughs> Woo. Make up, fake love, make them all laugh. Someone take off your mask It's nice to me Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We know that your time is valuable, so it just means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, and the song is called Alcatraz, and it is from their EP Hallucinate, and I just cannot speak highly enough about these boys. They have a new record coming out soon, and you should check them out. They're amazing. Definitely go get their music wherever you can get it. They are amazing, and you're going to love them as much as we do. If you want to learn more about The Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and information about the guests. And please follow us on Instagram at The Unspoken Podcast. We'd also love for you to subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the news and share this because we cannot wait to show you what's up next. And we will be with you all again soon. <laughs>